All right, take your Bible, go to Psalm 105. We are going to be in verses 1 through 5. The good news is I only have 10 points this morning, okay? 10-point ten, ten sermon. Uh, no, so, so as, I was, as I was praying through um, what to do this morning, as we, as we focus our attention on Thanksgiving and what is no doubt, as we've said uh, so many times this year, such an unusual time, um, I, I shared these verses last week during our announcement and prayer time, and, and, and as I reflected on them, I thought, you know, the, the, that would make a pretty good Thanksgiving message. So in Psalm 105, verses 1 through 5, there are 10 imperatives, 10, ten commands that are given. And so this morning, we're simply going to walk through each of those commands. And, and why I think this is, this is important for us this morning especially is because even in the disruption that we're seeing, even with the unusualness of what this Thanksgiving means and, and whatever that whatever uh, the, the COVID restrictions have meant for your personal Thanksgiving gathering, um, believers are never given permission to be grumpuses. We, we, are, we are never given permission to be angry over circumstances. Now, now, now there is a righteous anger that comes because of sin, that's okay, but we are never given permission to grumble because things have not worked out the way we thought they should. In fact, the, the pattern we often see in Scripture is joy in spite of, not because of, circumstances. And, and so listen, if, if the joy and the peace and the hope and the love that we talk about so much at, at Christmas time and during Advent season, if, if that's not real in the middle of chaos and disruption, it's not real. Because if, if our joy is based on our circumstances, then it's not joy that's found in the Lord. It's joy that's, that's self-centered. Now, that's not to say we won't have bad days. I think we've probably, all of us at some point this year, have experienced a day where, where we may have been tempted to grumble a little bit. And, you know, have, I mean, I've, I've thrown a couple of pity parties, as Michelle will attest to, right? It's not fair. Why, why is this happening? Woe is me. Um, so I'm not saying it's not going to happen. What I, what I am saying is that our lives should be marked not by grumbling, but by joy. And so Psalm 105 is going to call us to give thanks to the Lord. In fact, that's the very first words, and I got real creative with my uh, message title this morning, as you might see. So let's stand together as we read Psalm 105, as we direct our attention to being thankful this morning for what the Lord has done for us. Psalm 105. Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, proclaim his deeds among the peoples, Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell about his wondrous works. Boast in his holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength, seek his face always. Remember the wondrous works he has done, his wonders and the judgments he has pronounced. Let's pray. 
Father, we come before you this morning. We ask that you will speak through your word, that you will remind us to be people who are giving thanks to you, who are remembering what you have done for us. I pray not just this week, but each and every day of our lives, our lives will be marked by thankfulness. Will you show us what that looks like this morning? We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, Psalm 105 and Psalm 106 are, are a couplet, okay? meaning that they, they, they go together. They fit together. And, and they're going to tell two stories. So, so Psalm 105 is going to recount God's faithfulness to his people. In fact, in the Christian Standard Bible, I don't know, I don't know what the, uh, the title of yours in, in your Bible says, but in, in the Christian Standard Bible, Psalm 105 is titled, God's Faithfulness to His People. And then Psalm 106 is titled, Israel's Unfaithfulness to God. So, so notice this pattern. Psalm 105 is going to tell us all about God's faithfulness which, by the way, is unaffected. So Psalm 105, the truths that are conveyed in Psalm 105 are unaffected by the people's response in Psalm 106. Psalm 105 will declare to us God is faithful to his people, even though in Psalm 106 we see the people's continued unfaithfulness to God. Now, in, in the Bible world, that's what we call good news, okay? That God's faithfulness to us is not dependent upon our faithfulness to Him. So, we are called, though, to be people who respond to God's faithfulness by doing the ten things that are laid out in Psalm 105, verses 1-5. through 5. So, we're going to walk through these very simply. Um... As I said, none of this is groundbreaking. I don't, I don't think we're going to come across anything this morning. You're going to go, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. But rather, sometimes it's good to be reminded of the basics, right? As we talked a few weeks ago, there was a reason Vince Lombardi would remind his football players every football season, gentlemen, this is a football. It's good to be reminded of the basics. So this morning, we're going to look at the basics of thankfulness. First of all, give thanks to the Lord. This is a common refrain throughout Scripture, particularly in the Psalms. We sang a song last week that was all about this. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good, His love endures forever. And, and, and the Psalms will constantly call us back to give thanks to the Lord because of who He is, because of His faithfulness. Psalm 136 one says this, and then, and then the rest of Psalm 136 will call us uh, to remember to give thanks. In fact, every line there is give thanks to the Lord or give thanks to God because His faithful love endures forever. Everything in Psalm 136 will remind us His faithful love endures forever. Will give us Reasons to be thankful for him. Psalm 136.1, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. 
His faithful love endures forever. So maybe, you know, maybe in this time right now, you're struggling with, with being thankful. Maybe you're looking at yet more plans that have been canceled. More restrictions that have been placed on us. And to top it all off, you can't go shop in Hobby Lobby. Right? I mean, man, what on earth? So maybe you're tempted to grumble. If that's you, let me, let me, let me invite you this week to just spend some time in Psalm 136. Reminding yourself of God's faithful love that endures forever. That would lead us to give thanks to him. Secondly, we're called in verse 1 in Psalm 105 to call on his name. When you've become upset, angry or anxious, when you've been tempted to despair this year, where's the first place you go? Is when... When I hear something on the, the weekly uh, press conference that the governor's been giving on Thursday afternoons, if I hear something that really makes me angry, which has happened a few times this year, believe it or not, am I tempted to grumble or am I tempted to call on the name of the Lord? We're, we're, as believers, we are commanded here, given an imperative to call on his name. Psalm 88 one and two would say it like this. Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out before you day and night. May my prayer reach your presence. Listen to my cry. You know, if you look at that, it's, it's really a, isn't that words of desperation? I cry out before you day and night. May, may, may my prayer reach your presence. Listen to my cry. You ever felt that way? Lord, Lord I, I, I hope you hear this. Will you just listen to me? And, and do you know it's, it's okay to, to share frustrations with the Lord? In fact, I would encourage you to share frustrations with the Lord rather than putting them on Facebook. I think your response will be better. Uh, and and I'm, I'm willing to say you'll feel better about it when you're, when you're done if you air your frustrations out before the Lord rather than calling up somebody else or going on Twitter or Facebook. In fact, I think the world in general would be better if people would hold to that principle, right? Let me, let me take my cares to the Lord. We're encouraged to call on his name. Hebrews 4 would tell us we can go, go before the throne of grace boldly. We don't have to be afraid to approach Oh, Lord, we don't have to be afraid to approach him with concerns, with questions, even with anger. We have an open invitation to come into his presence. Call on his name. Third, at the end of verse 1, we're called to proclaim his deeds among the peoples. Now, in one sense, this is what all of Psalm 105 is doing. The whole psalm proclaims God's faithfulness to his people, particularly in the Exodus. So it's looking back to the Exodus, God's people coming out of Egypt. 
and the miraculous ways that, that God provided for them to come out. And as it's recounting that, it's, it's calling on the people of God to tell others, to proclaim what God has done. You know, sometimes some of the most awkward conversations you can have are when you ask people to list out their blessings. You, you ever notice that? M Michelle in our house put up a tree, and uh, a, a paper tree. And one of the things that we're doing is every day, we're, each of us is writing down something that we're thankful for. And, and can I tell you, it's not always deep. Um, let me tell you, one of the things I'm super thankful for in 2020, I'm thankful for coffee. You know that I've loved coffee. Uh, I think I've made that known. But this year, I have, um, I, I have done my part to keep some coffee roasters afloat this year. It doesn't have to be big, but the blessings that God has given to us, do we pause and thank Him for those? And then do we tell others about what He's done for us? Tell what the Lord has done. Um, as I said, Psalm 106 is typically, uh, most of the psalm is about what God's people have not done, how they've not uh, been faithful to God. And yet, at the end of Psalm 106, we see the psalmist proclaiming God's deeds among his peoples. And this is what he says. When he heard their cry, when God heard their cry, he took note of their distress. Now remember, these are people that have been unfaithful to God. And yet when he heard their cry, he took note of their distress, remembered his covenant with them, and relented according to the abundance of his faithful love. You want to get out of a me-centered approach to everything, and if you're, if you're in kind of a funk of woe is me, do you want to know something that will get you out of that? Go tell somebody else about what the Lord has done for you. You know, the, the, the churchy word we use for that is evangelism, but, but it can be as simple as telling somebody else, you know, can, can I just share with you how the Lord has sustained me this year? Because I've been hard to sustain. But can I, can I tell you the, the, the ways that he's provided for us? The, the ways that, I mean, in, in my own life, I, I realized some ways that he's revealed to me how much time I waste on other stuff. Because for, for many of us this year, the, the excuses that we have, I'm just so busy, kind of got taken away from us for a little while, didn't it? Oh, I just don't have time to spend in, in, uh, in God's Word. I don't have time to spend in, in prayer. And suddenly God removed all that. And my screen time report on my phone would, would tell me I'm a liar about not having enough time, right? So let's proclaim God's deeds. Let's tell of His mercy. Let's tell of how He's sustaining us. Number four in verse two, sing to Him, Sing praise to him. Now, we, we do this every week, week just as the, the church has done for centuries. We are commanded to sing. And one of the things I've been mindful to do since we uh, came back in person in May is to tell us, uh, re remind us why singing is such a big deal. 
You know, there are some governments that have mandated that churches can't sing um, because of the, of the health crisis. And, uh, and I would simply argue that we, we answer to a higher law that commands us to sing. That, that's, kind of my, that's kind of my stance on that. And uh, so we, when we gather together, a key part of what the church has done for the last 2,000 years is worshiping through song. Uh, whether you are singing well or making a joyful noise, it doesn't really matter, right? We are, we are commanded to, to make music in worship. In fact, Ephesians 5, as we take a look now at the New Testament, Paul writes this, So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is, and don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. And here's some evidences of being filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord. So, so here, Paul would say that, that singing about the Lord, singing to encourage one another, is evidence of being filled by the Spirit. We sing, and music is a Language that's understood around the world. Music conveys all kinds of emotions, right? You, you, can, you can hear a, a song that, that, that brings up sadness. You can bring, hear a song that, that, that brings up joy. You can even hear a song that sometimes makes you angry, right? We, we know this. And, and, and so uh, it would seem that God has woven music into the, the design of creation in order to help express what we feel and we express praise to him through song. Into verse 2, he says, tell about all his wondrous works. Now, we already said that we want to proclaim his deeds, okay? So uh, the, the way that I understand this, and I, I could be off base here, but I, I don't think so. I think proclaim his deeds is telling what he has done for us, what he has done in us. Tell about his wondrous works is simply proclaiming about what he has done. Psalm 108 does this, where it expands our view of who God is and of his majesty. Psalm 8, Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. You have covered the heavens with your majesty. From the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you've established a stronghold on account of your adversaries in order to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I, observe your when I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is a human being that you remember him? A son of man that you look after him. You made him a little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. All the sheep and oxen as well as the animals in the wild, the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea that pass through the currents of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. See, as we tell about his wondrous works, that reminds us who he is, especially in Psalm 8. It reminds us that God is the creator of all things. And I think to, to a point, this will lead us into the next thing. says, seek 
the Lord and His strength. Seek His face always. See, as we, as we come to know who God is and what He has done, how strong He is, that should lead us to seek His strength. Know that He is strong. Psalm 28, 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart celebrates and I give thanks to Him with my song. Seek His face always. It's the next one, number seven. Seek Him. We're, we're called to do this in prayer. We're called to seek His face. Matthew 7, 7 tells us, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Just as in verse 1, we were told we could call on His name here in verse 4. We're reminded we can seek His face. When we don't know what to do, we can seek His face. Back in verse 3, I think I got these out of order in my notes now that I'm looking through this, but that's alright. We're going to go back to verse 3, which says, Boast in His holy name or honor his holy name, your translation may say. You know, the, the first line of the Lord's prayer is, Hallowed be thy name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy be your name. The Lord's name is something to be honored. You know, in the, in the Ten Commandments, we're reminded not to take the Lord's name in vain. And I know sometimes we've, we've been tempted to boil that down to the equivalent of, well, you shouldn't cuss, which is probably a good thing for a believer not to do, right? But, but honoring the Lord's name goes well beyond just, just the words that come out of my mouth. It, it has to do with the way I live my life. In fact, Proverbs 3.9 would say this, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the produce of your entire harvest. We honor the Lord through the way we live our lives. And let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. I'm, I'm always amazed when I read Philippians. In fact, Chuck and I were talking about this just for a little bit this morning. The, the joy that the Apostle Paul shows and commands in the book of Philippians. And you have to remember when you read Philippians and you see Paul talking about this joy that he has, he's in prison, probably chained to a guard. And yet the, the key theme throughout the book of Philippians is the joy of the Lord. Knowing that regardless of whatever circumstance I'm in, as Paul says, I've learned to be content because of the Lord's faithfulness. In fact, in Philippians 4, 4, some, some words that you may be very familiar with. Rejoice in the Lord always. And in case you missed it, I'll say it again. Rejoice. Now I learned this is like a vacation Bible school song when I was a kid. 
But doesn't that change when you realize that, that Paul's in prison at this point? And he's writing to people on the outside and commanding them to rejoice. I will say it again, rejoice. In the Lord, there is joy regardless of circumstances. And then finally in verse 5, remember the wondrous works he has done, his wonders and the judgments he has pronounced. One of the key elements of giving thanks, is, as we saw first off in verse 1, one of the key elements to that is remembering. Pausing, taking time to remember what the Lord has done. Deuteronomy 15, 15. The Lord, speaking through Moses, commanded the people to remember. It says, remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I am giving you this command today. In fact, as you read through the Old Testament, what we'll see happening frequently is the Lord commanding the people to set up things that will remind them of his faithfulness. To set up a memorial. Sometimes it was nothing more than some stones stacked together. Sometimes it was uh, something like a, a festival, like, like the day of Pentecost or the day of Passover, where God's people were to pause and remember what God had done. In fact, that's why Thanksgiving was established. A day for us to pause and remember. Especially this year. In, in, a, <laughs> in one sense, in a year that I would, I would argue we probably will have no problem remembering, The question is, how will we remember it? In 10 years, when we reflect on 2020, will we remember all the things that we didn't have? Will we remember all the trips that got canceled? Will we remember how we couldn't go to a movie theater for nine months? Or will we look back and see God's amazing grace sustaining us. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of, of uh, people whom I grew up around in a small town in West Texas who lived through the days of the Great Depression. My, my grandparents were born in the, uh, kind of right in the, in the middle of the, the Great Depression and and one of the constant themes that I heard throughout that whole, through the people who grew up in the Great Depression, words that have stuck in my mind through the years was, well, we were poor, but we didn't know we were poor. We were poor. We didn't have much. But the Lord always provided what we needed. We've obviously come a long way and think maybe out of that we've developed some unhelpful materialistic tendencies. Taken for granted 
the blessings that we have, taken for granted the, the stuff that we have. So maybe it's good this year that we pause and remember. Take stock of the blessings that we have. Maybe do some self-evaluating, look around at the things that we thought were important but aren't really. And that we remember. This year has certainly had its struggles. And with six weeks to go, we're, we're not out of the woods yet. Right? <laughs> 2020 could still deal with some more blows. Who knows? Yet you know, when I look back at, at 2020, you know, in this year when for eight weeks between March 15th to Memorial Day weekend, we were unable to gather in this room and had to learn a crash course and what it meant to, to go to live streaming only. And yet I see the way the Lord's been faithful to us. Thankful for the weeks that we were able to gather with more people. Know as we enter cold and flu season, that's going to be a struggle for, for many. So I'm thankful for the technology that allows us to continue proclaiming the gospel and meeting together in some form or another. I'm thankful for the way that you have continued to give sacrificially and the wonderful, merciful irony that is this year that when so much has been disrupted, First Baptist Church will have its best financial year in probably the last 15 years. Don't take that for granted. I would say this as we close. We have much to be thankful for this year. And so on this year when I, I dare say not many of us will be go, going and standing in line for two hours on Friday morning to fight over a new big screen TV. Maybe, maybe this year is a great time for us to take stock of what we have to remember and to give thanks to the Lord for who He is for what he's done for us. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this morning. We pray we would be people whose hearts are filled with thankfulness. That this year when there is so much we could grumble about and so much we could be angry about, that you would stop us And call us instead to reflect, to remember, and to give thanks. For those who are unable to gather with, with family this year, I pray for a special, sustaining measure of your grace this week. We pray you would continue to help us, to keep us safe, And to keep our eyes focused on you throughout this very difficult time, a very difficult year. May we as your people not lose heart, but like Paul, sitting in prison, who could still say, I count it all joy. 
and who would command us to rejoice in the Lord always and say it again, rejoice. Pray this Thanksgiving week our lives would be marked by joyfulness as we trust in you. We ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.